Rule the day the plant-based way with the new vegan mixed berry from Smoothie King. Powered by whole, non-GMO fruits, oat milk, and vegan protein, it's a dairy-free, plant-based smoothie you can feel great about. With 13 grams of protein and half your daily fiber, it's an easy way to get the essential nutrients your body craves. Skip the line and order online for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Welcome back, listener. How are you? I'm glad you had a good week. Welcome back to Aaron's Opinion. This is Aaron Richmond, the host of the Aaron's Opinion podcast, a podcast where we talk about critical issues in the blindness community. Aaron's Opinion can be found almost anywhere you get a podcast, from Apple to Spotify to Spreaker, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Patreon. We're almost everywhere. Um, and I do want to say before we get going that this that this episode of Aaron's Opinion is copywritten uh, by Aaron Richmond and Aaron's Opinion. Thank you very much. Today we are speaking with someone who I have been actually in contact with this person for for over a month. They're on the other side of the pond from wherever I am. Uh, we're speaking today for, with John Perry, and basically I'm going to start out by saying that the focus or the idea that I would like John Perry to expand upon in our conversation today is the idea that, that you can find and forge your own path. Um, and that John Perry has worked for over 30 years in the, basically, as we would say here in the States, in the disability and advocacy community. He helps people he does a lot of work, but basically he helps people who uh, have either a disability or a health problem to find employment and inclusion in society. And I think that's all great. He joins us from, I believe, Liverpool, England. How are you? Well, actually, I'm originally from Liverpool, but I now live in St. Helens, Merseyside, but it's just up the road from Liverpool, so not far. Excellent. Excellent. I I'm see. fine, thank you. Yes. Very. Well, thank you for having me. My my pleasure, of course. So let's go back 30 years. How did you, how did you get into, um, you know, this whole, where did this whole idea of you starting this organization uh, that helps people with disabilities there in England, where did this idea come from? Maybe if you could start by giving us a history, that would be good. Yeah, okay, um, I'll give you a potted history. If I'm saying too much or going on too much, feel free to tell me. But Essentially, I um, went to what we would call special school in Liverpool for an organisation called St. Vincent's School for the Blind. And I was working in administration and uh, the print department and various other things in my early part of my life. Um, and I trained as a telephonist. Um, but I also retrained as um, what we would call a counsellor over here. I don't know if they have the same term in America, but supporting both non-disabled and disabled people with their lives. Um, and I guess um, from my own personal experience, I wanted to kind of support disabled people um, to achieve their own personal and professional goals. Um, and I have what I would describe as a sort of a person-centered approach to that. So it's not about what I or professionals want for disabled people, but it's about what they want. And I'm here to kind of support and facilitate that. Um, now, the other side of that was I'd been in paid employment for a number of years um, and also self-employment and also did um, voluntary work as well. 
from my own perspective, I did enjoy my time in employment, but I think it suits me personally to be, to be self-employed. Um, and so that was my chosen path, if you like. And as I say, I did some voluntary work. So I think from my perspective, the idea, and also I can retain some independence about how I want to do things, how I want to live my life and all of those sort of things. Um, and also work with the individuals and organizations that I feel, um, you know, fit my philosophy or are trying to achieve similar things as well. Obviously, I'd be lying to you if I said, you know, I've still got to pay myself a wage. And, um, you know, some of the work we've done, um, is we kind of worked on a freelance basis. We obtained grants to deliver support free of charge in some cases and stuff like that. And so the work I've done has been anything from counselling to advocacy to training um, people in the use of computers um, and uh, also uh, life coaching uh, and all of those sort of things. And, and I've also tried to obtain qualifications that would enable me to um, support the individuals that I wanted to work with. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. All of that makes sense and all of that is excellent. I completely understand. So by the way, for you at home listener, you, you guys know who I am, but John Perry doesn't know me at all. Um, as I said, to introduce myself, I'm, I'm someone who's 29 years old. Um, and I did live in England, by the way, for three months. I did a study abroad program at the University of East Anglia. So I, I love England. It's a w wonderful yeah. place to be. Um, but I will tell you that as, as you've noted and as you've noticed that, yes, self-employment um, seems to be a very, a very good option for for blind people, at least that's my opinion. That's where my life has gone. I studied, in university, I studied international affairs or international studies. And then from there, I needed to kind of, you know, form my, you know, make my own way in life. Um, so I got into some online teaching, which is my, my day job, as we would say. And then about a year ago, I got into podcasting because I feel that there needs to be a strong podcast and strong podcasts for people who are blind around the world where someone who's blind can just come up to me and say, Hey, Aaron, I have a story that your audience needs to hear. Are you, are you ready to listen to everything I have to say? And I would say, sure, you know, come, come to my podcast. But I think, I think what you've said is, is, very, is, is all really good. So let's, let's put things in. Can, in, I, can, can sure. I just make a comment of course. about, about, about um, if I'm honest with you, I've only recently just got into podcasting, and so Focus has launched its own podcast as well. Um, and but the other thing I've recently got involved in is um, like community radio. So I, I do a program around equality uh, and diversity issues. Um, and we've in the past I've also edited and owned online newspapers around equality and diversity. So I guess in a way we're we're, we're singing from similar hymn sheets in a way, kind of thing. Well, great. Excellent. Excellent. So let's, you know, put things into perspective. Um, I mean, a lot of times, you know, people talk about counseling, talk about all of these things, but let's, let's give our listeners, let's give the audience a little bit more of a concrete example. So can you talk about maybe an interesting experience or an interesting example of counseling work um, that you have done? Um, in, in the past where you can kind of paint a picture for the listeners so they can understand? Yeah, well, um, I, I would say um, my background has been in sort of what I would describe as personal and vocational counseling. So um, I've helped people with relationship difficulties. I've helped people with employment issues and things like that. And to pick up an earlier point that you said to me, um, like the organizations where I've been supporting disabled people, 
it's all been about trying to help them develop the path that they want. So um, I think sometimes we can be a bit too prescriptive with disabled people and tell them what they should and shouldn't be doing, um, denying them opportunities. But for the, you know, not necessarily for bad reasons or anything like that, but not necessarily like allowing them to like kind of realise their own ambitions and opportunities. And of course, you know, there's good examples of that and there's bad examples of that. But my old kind of sense is that if, if I can help people start up a business, get into employment, um, realise their own potential and all of those sort of things. I personally have been trained in sort of person-centred and cognitive behavioural counselling. Um, rational emotive therapy type stuff. Um, but it, what I also say is, for me, it's about having the empathy um, and the listening skills to kind of help them path um, of their choosing, not my choosing, if, if that makes sense. And, you know, whilst I might use different theoretical approaches, um, ultimately, if I've helped them achieve the objective, it doesn't really matter how we get them there, as long as we get them there, and that's the path that they want to take. The big thing for me is that um, I think we can put barriers in our own way uh, um, as individuals, as disabled people, but I think society does to a certain extent. And to a certain extent, maybe sometimes families for the right reasons might do that, but equally professionals might do that for, you know, equally what they might consider to be right reasons. Um, but I think we've got to allow people to breathe and find their own space and do their own thing. Obviously taking into account that people might need support. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's you're you're absolutely correct. Yeah. So, um what have been I mean, can, can I I think that although I understand everything you're saying, I think that a lot of a lot of my listeners um would want would would like to know maybe a, an interesting story of yeah. someone who came to you someone that you helped along the way obviously you can change the name and change a lot and change the details but if you could yeah. paint a picture of someone who came and had an idea that you helped them maybe that they had a dream that you helped to come true maybe yeah. you can talk about that okay well i've got one particular lady um who has autism and um she was basically working in the care industry and, and lost her way a little bit in the care industry and the first time she ever came through my door um, she was at a really low ebb and didn't know what path to take and didn't know really where she wanted to go. But she did have a little idea that she wanted to become self-employed and things like that. Now, it has taken a while, but we started it off. Um, we started it off setting it up, um, selling sweets and different products and things like that. Um, she, she did card making and, and things like that. So she's gone on to do like set up her own business now, selling sweets but also cleaning products. You know, with the current pandemic at the moment and things like that, um, there's a, quite a demand for cleaning products in, in, uh, around where, where I live and where she lives and things like that at the moment. So you set up a little thing kind of doing that as well. And, and I think also um, I've helped people go into coaching who, who wanted to go into football coaching for um, Liverpool and Everton, um, helping disabled people uh, develop their own skills in football, but he also wanted to kind of achieve his own coaching and stuff like that. And I've also helped engineers um, who, who, who kind of wanted to go into self-employment and, and kind of needed, we call it access to work support over here. I don't know what it might be called in the States, but it's whereby the government have a scheme whereby um, they'll provide equipment and practical support to support the needs of disabled people and blind people to be employed and self-employed. So for example, I use George as a screen reader 
um, that was paid for through access to work. And so in, in the particular case we're talking about with the guy who was an engineer and stuff, we arranged for him to get like a support worker um, to help him with certain aspects of his job. Um, with the particular lady I'm talking about now, a lot of it is about um, help, the lady with autism, a lot of it is about um, helping her to um, support her in running her day-to-day -day business stuff, to manage her day-to-day -day business stuff. But some of it's about motivational stuff and getting her to believe in that she's capable and, uh, and doing things like that as well. So I, I guess there's a range of aspects really. I mean, I, I also remember a guy came into the room one day and he said, uh, do you know what, I've been in employment for 30 years or something like that. And he said, I'd love to become a self-employed author. Um, and he left work and he, and, and he thought he'd never be able to become a self-employed author, but we, we got him into things like that as well. Um, so I think it, for me, what, what I guess I'm trying to get across is it's, it's about what the person wants and then we kind of help them achieve that. And then the other aspect of my work is, so um, we work with employers to make sure that um, blind and disabled people are supported into work, but whilst they're in work, make sure that they have all the right equipment and the right support and that the employer uh, you know, understands their legal obligations and things like that. So some of the times I have to kind of work with the employer, but sometimes I have to work with the unions, the employer, and sometimes tribunals to, to help people understand that obviously um, blind people and visually impaired people and disabled people have rights and, and, and here's how we can address them. So it's a range of things. And I think the beauty about what I do is that no one day is the same. So we can, and then the other side of my work is that um, over, over in, um, in the UK, we have quite a uh, useful welfare system that supports disabled people with uh, benefits and grants and stuff like that. So part of the aspect of my work is to help people understand the right benefits that they can obtain to either help them remain in work and stay in work, or if they become unemployed or unemployed, support them in that side of things as well. So, so it's a range of things I think that we get involved with, you know. Really excellent. And for viewers um, from the Americas or maybe my side of the pond, sweets means candy. So there goes that question in the chat. What are sweets? Sweets is candy. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I, did, I, did, I didn't think about that yet. Yeah. I, thought, I thought of it. <laughs> I thought I thought of it. I, I thought of it. Yeah, because I lived in England and and, and English people call candy candy sweets. Yeah. You could give me a bit of an American lesson on what to say before we came on air and to say candy. <laughs> the other the other one the other one that I love, I, I, I loved I love this one. When I was living in Norwich, I went to a, a grooming shop to get a haircut one day. And yeah. the barber the barber tells me Hey, you know, Aaron, I'm Aaron, I'm 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 glad you don't have any nits. And then Oh he, yeah. He yeah. he combs my hair again. Nits what what on earth are nits, I thought. And then he said and then I said, Oh, do you mean lice? And then so yeah, the British word the English British word for lice is is nits, they call them there. And then the other famous one that Americans have never heard of is lurry. Well, if you're an American and you're living in England, what on earth is a lurry? Took me a couple of weeks to figure out that lorry is truck in That's American it. English. Yeah, yeah. yeah so there's, there's some famous ones. Yeah. But yes, in England, in England you can sell sweets and in America you can sell candy. But these days, yeah, cleaning products, yeah, that's uh, all, yeah, that's, that's a thing. But um, I, I completely understood. Th those, were, those were really, really good examples. And I, I think that... I mean, the, the other thing that springs to mind as well is, I mean, I, I mean, this guy happened to be disabled, but I guess you could 
make the connection with non-disabled people as well. But I remember one guy coming through to the door one day and he said to me, I want to set up a, a burger thing. And um, I said, okay. And he said, but where I've got in mind is uh, next to McDonald's. In, uh, and, <laughs> but the thing was, uh, he was looking to sell like healthy burgers. And, and, uh, <laughs> but he actually did it. You know, he, he did do it. And I think that was like, just trying to get him motivated and say, well, I'm going to maybe what your product, your product is a different product to, you know, to what the McDonald's is or whatever. I'm not saying that McDonald's is bad, so please don't sue me McDonald's. But, uh, but yeah, you know, so yeah. Glad, glad we, glad we, glad you think, think see, I didn't see you, you made, you made less work for me as a pot. I, I almost had to clarify that. Right. Thank you. Good, yeah. good. But I see that's, that's definitely some ironic humor that he set up his, his quote unquote, healthy burger place next next to McDonald's. Of course, we aren't saying anything bad about McDonald's. I am and surprised. Places, <laughs> and, and, and nothing bad about nothing bad about other places as well. That's, that's no, true. No, I, I appreciate the clarification. Thank you. But you know, but that is that is interesting that he was allowed to do that. Um, probably. I mean, in the States, there's laws about where businesses are allowed to open. So yeah, there are there are laws about opening businesses next to other businesses. Probably there are. So that's that's really interesting. But um, the the other thing when when Tom uh, and, and you you guys at home listener, you 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 remember Tom Walker, um, time to talk to Tom from a couple episodes back. Um, when I when I he and I were speaking, he he mentioned that he's on some um, some tribunal. Uh, as he said, um, basically a a kind of like a from from an American perspective, it sounds like kind of like a jury or a a committee of people who go to um, administrative legal hearings, and people who are disabled uh, come and like um, you know some. Can can you talk a little bit more about about what what you've done yeah, I mean, in, in advocacy and tribunals? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting because in a way. And I come at it from a slightly different angle. We have what we call lay people on trial. So a tribunal. Potential disability discrimination case. Um, Could you? I, um, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Could, could you go back a couple sentences? The, the connection broke up for a moment. Could you go back and repeat your last two sentences, please? Right. Okay. Uh, where did I, where did I go? Okay. So, um, so I was saying that um, the tribunal basically um, will consider um, issues around um, employment and inequality, um, whether the employees treating the person in a less favorable way or not meeting the needs, but equally that can apply for benefits as well. So let's say for argument's sake, over here, um, I'm not quite sure how healthy the benefit system is, but we've got quite a good, potentially, it's arguable with, but potentially a good benefit system to support disabled people. But from time to time that goes wrong and um, people might not be getting the right entitlement to benefits. Uh, they might not get the needs right in, in employment. And so, um, I and others will get involved to kind of support the needs of disabled people to help them through that tribunal process. And um, the layperson in, in Tom's case would sit on the tribunal uh, to hear the case 
and candid, he would have his say about what he thinks, but there would also be another person um, who had like legal um, responsibility there, and there will be also other individuals involved in that as well. Um, where my advocacy role would be supporting the individual um, to deal with that tribunal from the perspective of the disabled person and not the government, if that makes sense, yeah? It, it does make sense. So basically, um, I probably have two questions about it. It sounds like to me that when you're sitting on the tribunal, you're basically an advocate in kind of like a kind of like a jury listening to a specific legal case That's where true. someone with a disability, whether it's blindness, whatever the disability is, yeah. is having some sort of a legal situation or case with an employer or with employment, right? That's correct. That's correct. And then also, and now it also sounds like, because it's a legal case, it also sounds like there is probably some sort of a judge in the room along with some sort of a lawyer, right? Well, the, 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 that's a bit too strong a word, but you're right, it, it's, it's that sort of similar, similar situation, yeah? Um, so, so they would have like legal authority and then there would be another person as well. And then they would have like a lay person. Um, so the, the person wouldn't necessarily be directed in the legal process or anything like that, but they're to observe and kind of give a, an impartial view about the needs of the disabled person. Okay, so that would be that would be a law clerk. So it's what we would call that a, a, a clerk of the court or a law clerk, someone who probably went to law school themselves and probably is admitted to the bar, but is in that role to kind of analyze and in, and in some rare cases, maybe even interpret the, the code and the, and the situation. That's what it sounds like to me. Well, I think, I think it's even a bit looser than that, to be fair. I mean, the, the person, say, say in, in, in Tom's case, wouldn't necessarily be, have a legal background. But the, what they're focusing on is like, he as a disabled person would, would have a lived experience of uh, living as a disabled person, if that makes sense, yeah? Huh, huh. Um, I suppose it makes sense a little bit. Yeah, I, I suppose. I mean, I guess in, in, in the States, perhaps we're more, we're more formal where we have like in a, in a courtroom, I mean, it, it obviously every case is different. It depends on the case, but in a courtroom, you have a judge and then you have, you almost always have a lawyer. Um, and then sometimes you have a, a paralegal, which helps a lawyer. And then you have the people, you have the person with the disability. Yeah. Um, but these, so in, in the States, I get, I guess, listener for you at home, the, you, you, you have explained it perfectly, John, but m American listeners may be a little shaky about this understanding. Basically, the closest thing to this would be an administrative law case where someone with a disability has, as we say in the States, some sort of a situation with employment or an employer, and they need the case to be reviewed so that they can obviously live the life they want and, and have employment. Um, it would be, if it came to this in the States, it would be reviewed by a, by a judge, by what we call an administrative law judge is what is what it's called. Um, but that, that's extremely interesting. So then if there is no, technically by, by definition of British law, if there's no physical judge in the room, then um, perhaps I'm not getting it all the way, but how is this, how are these things like resolved then? If there's well, I, th judge? I think what happens in the end is uh, it can go higher. And so if the decision isn't taken at that level, 
it can go to like what they call judicial process. Go, okay, got got you, got you. Yeah, and so then it goes higher again. If you uh, okay, so okay, so this this tribu this tribunal, as you're calling it, is basically is basically a a meeting where people meet a group of people come together and meet to talk about the issue, and the person who's I guess kind of the chair of the meeting if they feel that the issue warrants being heard by a judge, then the case is basically appealed or promoted up to a judge who will then hear the case. I mean, what can happen there? Let, let's say for argument's right. sake, um, just so that I don't mention any individuals. If I can have sure, sure. with my employer, I could then, you know, re request that it go to tribunal or something like that. The tribunal can then deal with it. Now, hopefully what you're hoping there is either mediation or the tribunal will resolve it at that point. But then, if you're not happy, it, it can then go to like judicial process, and that's the final stage. Then, yeah, right. Okay. So the so so then so then the the judicial process that that would mean that would mean a judge. That would mean that it would be a courtroom okay. with a judge. It would have more legal teeth. Yeah. yeah. More le more legal. Teeth. That's cool. More legal teeth. We don't say that. That's good. More yeah. legal teeth. That's a good. That's a great British. Experience. More legal teeth. Ooh, I love that. More legal teeth. That's cool. Um, yeah, as in, um, how do we put that even in American English? Um, oh. <laughs> more, more um, what do we say? Um, more, uh, oh boy, there is a terminology for it. More legal standing. That's legal, it. So legal legal status might, might be the way. Legal, legal status. So, okay. So, I mean, this is, this is really, this is really cool. I mean, we don't really, we don't really have this in the States. Um, because it's, it's just the way our laws are set up in America, but it's, it's very hard to have a case heard by a judge and we don't really have this tribunal uh, as, as, as you call it. Um, you, yeah, usually if cases are severe enough, they go to, they would just go to a judge and then it, and then it becomes a court case. But the, the the reality and the sad reality and the sad truth of it is that everything is expensive in the United States. Lawyers are no exception. So the person with the disability would have to have support from an advocacy organization to hire the lawyer, to review the case, to to retain a lawyer, and then the lawyer files a motion in the court, I guess, is how we would how I mean, the, the beauty about our system in a way is, and certainly at the moment is, if you take a, if you take a case to tribunal, the, the person who's taken, so in my case, if it was me, I would um, don't, don't have to pay anything to take it to tribunal. Yeah? Oh, really? Yeah, you, you, you don't, you don't in, in the UK, you don't pay to take it to tribunal at the moment. Um, obviously, I had to go higher up the chain. Uh, you know, you start involving lawyers and, and uh, the legal system. And that's a slightly different ballgame. But um, what can sometimes happen um, in the UK is, if the employee, if the employee is involved in a union, yeah, um, the union, uh, let's say for argument's sake, um, that, that they take a, a grievance procedure out against the, the employer, they can then take it to the union. The union will help them fight that case and basically pay their legal fees. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so in a way, um, although unions are not as strong as they would would have been in the past um, in the UK, um, if you're in the union, particularly, you know, some of the big unions, they will actually they have their own legal legal advice team, uh, and because you pay 
sort of like a monthly subscription to that, you're then entitled to, to, to legal support free of charge because you're mm. paid in union uh, fees, if you like. Yeah, yeah you, buy, you buy union membership and then they provide legal, legal counsel. Yeah. Well, and, they, and there probably is something, I mean, I wouldn't know, but there probably is something similar to, to the states, but the, the overwhelming problem that we're seeing more and more, and every year that I get, you know, every year that I, I work for myself and start to understand more of society, I start to understand this more, that many, many, many people with disabilities in the United States are, are severely underemployed or unemployed, mm-hmm. meaning they they oftentimes don't lack the simply lack the funding to appropriately advocate for themselves, which is why I think among many things, I think podcasting is a is a great source of advocacy, education, and and inspiration for for people in the world. I really believe that. Can so, I, can I you, sure. Uh, can I ask a question? Of course or, you can. Of course uh, you can. In in um, the UK, we have something called the Equality Act, which was yeah. Just, to support the uh, disabled person mm-hmm. in all aspects of their life. Now, my understanding is that America's got something similar. Um, so, we, is that is that the case? And if it, and if it is the case, um, you know, are people able to to use that if you like to challenge um, discrimination? Or the it's system? a really excellent, excellent. It, so, yes, it yes, it is the case. As as to, to to go back to go back as a reference, as, as Tom and I were, were were talking about, there for you, you have you have the DDA, the the Disability Discrimination Act, um, uh, DDA in the UK. The equivalent is in in America, we have ADA, Americans with yeah, Disabilities yeah. Act. The 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 answer is this: that act um, directly affected the access, the the physical access and physical barriers that existed to buildings and restaurants and public places, oftentimes for people in wheelchairs or people with, you know, physical handicaps. And that's that's great and wonderful, but the the fundamental problem, the meat and potatoes, when you really when you really dig into the meal here, the real problem, is that there is no law, in my opinion, by the way, there is no law in the United States that can prevent people from having preconceived notions and opinions about people. Mm-hmm. So because of that, discrimination is still, in my opinion, a wide, a huge problem in the States. Um, and many people with disabilities become discriminated so severely that they simply just that just give up. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a serious, serious issue. Mm-hmm. Could you so the answer is legally, can you claim that if you're being discriminated, is it, is it a violation of ADA if you are discriminated? Well, if you're, if you're employed by a company and the building is not physically accessible for you to enter effectively to get the job, then technically, yeah, but do you have a lawyer who can prove that the building is not physically yeah. accessible? So it, you get in, in the States, one of the, one of the interesting things about our legal system and one of the things that's very, very frustrating is we, we don't care what your opinions in a courtroom. We, I, we don't care about your opinions. We care about what you can prove happened or didn't happen. And yeah, if it yeah. can't be proven or unproven, then, then, then no offense, but t- take it somewhere else. It's not, it's of anything else you say that can or can't be proven. It's of no value. It, it's of no, um, it, it's not one of the ingredients in the story, basically. So it's can, very can frustrating. I, can I pick up, can I pick of up course. Because, of course. Uh, interestingly, um, We've got um, under the it, the the uh, DDA was um, brought into the Equality Act, and that covers all 
um, the different kind of minority groups, you know, that would be covered by the Equality Act. But we do have um, the perception of being discriminated against under that act. So even if I perceive I've been discriminated against, I can still challenge that, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, you probably well, say you, you can't, you can't under the ADA, but under the Equality well, Act here. Okay, you, well, maybe, and maybe that's the difference. Um, you, it, so to prove in, in, in America, to, to prove lo, lo, lawyers in the audience out there, if, if a lawyer could, could weigh in, comment below and maybe make some, make some good notations, some good comments in the comments for us. That would be helpful because this is the type of thing that this is. So when when a, someone with a disability goes to a lawyer, these are the types of questions that they. This is the type of thing they would be talking about. Yeah. The lawyer the lawyer would want would would have like six different things. It's actually really hard to legally prove that you're discriminated against in the United States. Six things have to happen in exactly the right order, and it's very 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 difficult to prove that yeah. you. So no, in America you can't just say. Well, Your Honor, if you're talking to a judge, well, Your Honor, in my opinion, I was discriminated against. Well, get lost. Your opinion doesn't doesn't fit and doesn't um, align with the legal code, and the country is based on legal code. So it's it's like no, can't can't be helped sometimes. Yeah. I mean, the other thing we've got here as well, and I'm not quite sure whether you've got it over there as well. Is um, so if you if you perceive you've been dis, uh, discriminated against on the grounds of your disability. You can you can kind of bring that you know up, up as well, but also if somebody witnesses discrimination, they could be liable if they don't do something about it as well. That's interesting. That's interesting. I I, I certainly agree with that uh, because the the true the greatest evil in the world is sitting back and watching evil. So that's it's very it's very interesting. I don't know. I mean, it, it sounds like probably in the states if something like physical happened at work i don't know if you have a disability and like an employer like physically attacks you then you would have a case for sure but you know unless something like egregiously bad happens it's very 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 difficult um you know we have had cases in the states where people with disabilities a blind person for instance you know um you know mr or mrs smith was was fired by her employer because um, they said the employer said something along the lines of she wasn't able to access the website or the software to do her job. Well, she didn't like that, so she was able to get a lawyer to defend her. And I think in that case, Miss Miss Smith or Miss you know whoever the person was, I think the person won. Actually, I remember it now. They did win the case, and they were able to prove that they were discriminated against. So it, it, what I'm saying is you can, there are cases of discrimination where a judge can say, yeah, you're right, you were discriminated against, but I'm saying yeah. there's, a lot, there's a lot of legal things that have to be just exactly right to have it set up the right way. Yeah. To pick up, to pick up an earlier point you said mm -hmm. as well, I do get a lot of clients who in the end get so frustrated with um, the process and um, what they're going through and everything that they give up. Um, so uh, I think you said that earlier on, that, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that, that can be the case. And I think, I think that's true. And also there's a fear factor, you know, is uh, how, you know, so if you win the case against the employer, are you really want to go back to an employer that's treated you in that way? In the first and you know, you know what, and right there, right there, I got to jump, got to jump on that point. I, I have faced discrimination in my life by, by some, 
several, a couple, it was a couple, three or four really big ones, but one of the, one of the biggest ones, and I, and I, I learned from it, and here's, here's the life lesson I learned. One time I was discriminated against by some sort of an organization, and um, in my opinion, they didn't want to hire people with disabilities or something, and what, what I came, what I came to understand was, well, you know what, if they're going to discriminate against me, then guess what? Good. I don't want to work for them then. That's okay. not an employer that I want to work for then. If you're going to act up like that, you don't, right. need, you don't need my attention. So I think a lot of people with disabilities are starting to figure out that, well, it's probably not worth the time and you probably don't want to work for that person anyway. That's so right. then, then you have a lot of cases that maybe should be heard by a judge that are never heard because people just say, all right, well, fine. You're going to, you're going to misbehave. I'm, I'm taking my business elsewhere. That happens constantly. Yeah. And the other thing is, um, you know, um, they can win compensation, but that doesn't necessarily address the issue. So no, um, there's a catch twenty two there. You know. Yeah, no, the issue con compensation that's harder. That's 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 a different issue. Um, sometimes people can earn that, but that's. But then, of course, then if if you know if, if you're receiving compensation out out of a legal case, then you probably aren't going to be. You aren't probably going to going to be popular again in that company. So. You know, <laughs> you know, then all of a sudden, well, they aren't going to like you anymore. So you might as well, in other words, you might as well just take your business. So it, it makes, in a, in a professional development sense, it makes sense to just take your business elsewhere and not even, not even have the, it's, it's almost like, I, I, I never want to give you the impression, you know, John, that you should never have a lawyer. You should never, you know, have, an, have cases heard by judges. Of course we should all over the world, of course. But in the end, we have to do what's right for us and the individual. And oftentimes, what is truly right is to, is to not is to not reward the bad behavior and to just go about our life being successful. What, what I say to the people I'm supporting is, yeah. uh, you know, I talked about person-centered approach to all of this. I mean, I get, I sort of, we we discuss a range of options, but ultimately it's their option and not my option that they they choose. So, um, you know, but I have to kind of present what their options are, because if I'm not presenting what the options are, they could come back to me and say, you should have told me that I could do X, Y, and Z. Or, right, or right. Yeah, yeah. Well, that is, that is true. And um, I, th I think you really, you really covered the issue of, um, of, of, of a advocacy per just perfectly. I mean, you really, you really nailed it. Really well done there. Um, you, you run another organization um, that provides uh, basically, Focus, I think, is the name of the organization. Oh, Focus Employment Hub, we are, yeah. In, indeed. In, th thank you. Focus Employment Hub. And that seems to provide a wide range of services um, and different projects. Can you talk about some of the most interesting work that that organization does? Yeah, I mean, I think um, what, I've, what I've basically done is I've followed on, you know, from some of the work that we've done before. Um, so, but, um, so, so, for example, again, uh, you know, We've helped people get into. I mean, we've recently helped um, with a visually impaired person and um, becomes uh, start to set up as self-employed. We've supported, you know, getting people into getting into employment. Um, we've helped with. Um, we've got um, a quite a difficult benefit system to, to navigate at the moment. So um, we've helped people with housing issues. Um, we've helped people with financial issues in trying to obtain the right benefits. All of those sort of things, um, and so, and we've also um, helped people in terms of, um, for example, like 
the, the lady I was talking to you about, the lady with autism, but we've helped another lady set up um, doing makeup and, and kind of uh, providing beauty treatments and things like that as well. So um, it's all those sort of follow-on type things. And again, um, we are getting lots of referrals now from the local jobs, we call them job centres here, and I'm not quite sure what you would call, but you know, like job centres like run by the government who are trying people to find work and stuff like that. So, well. so social, social worker, social worker, right, right. Um, yeah. Oftentimes in, in, in the States, um, those types of social agencies, in, in my opinion, do not, do not, do not provide, may not always provide adequate, adequate things. Um, I mean, some, I mean, some of the social workers are wonderful and, and are helpful, but, but others, others are not. So it, that, that also can be very problematic. Sure. Well, we're independent, you see, so we can kind of come at it from, we're not kind of, we, um, we're what we call a social, em, uh, social enterprise. So it's a, it's a not-for-profit company. And um, so we're Excellent. not tied in, we're not tied into the social services or the local authority and things like that. Um, I mean, that said, um, we, we've, um, I, I guess the uh, Americans will have the equivalent, but we've got um, a lottery um, system over here whereby you can apply for grant, people pay into the lottery, but you can apply for grants. So we've been able to apply for grants to deliver support for disabled people free of charge. And also with the local authority, um, I've also been able to obtain grants to help um, the migrant community within my local St. Helens area um, so in a way, um, that allows me to kind of remain independent, um, but um, if you like, and, but and speak my mind and kind of challenge the system. I guess you know. Um, mm, good, excellent. Yeah, and can you talk a little bit more about about helping the migrant community? That sounds interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think um, we 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 as a result of lockdown, um, you know. Um, we originally set up all kinds of meetings, you know, to go and support people, things like that, um, face to face. Um, but as a result of the lockdown, um, we basically found ourselves in a situation where we could only deliver everything over the phone. And um, so, basically, what we we did there is we offer like one one to one support, and that can be anything from like you know trying to again trying to help people navigate the, the benefit system here, you know, trying to make sure that. Um, they're obviously they're getting the, the legal rights met, all of those sort of things. Um, act, acting as an advocate, you know, they need to go to the doctor's surgeries and things like that as well. Or, um, or if they need interpreters, we can bring interpreters in. Uh, we had a request not just recently from a, a, a lady, um, a Bulgarian lady who was in a care home, and the care home was asking for somebody to find a, a, an interpreter. And it just so happened that we were supporting a Bulgarian guy um, mm. with the benefits, but he was able to can we were able to put them in touch, um, you know, with them. Now, unfortunately, at the moment, he's not well enough um, for him to go and you know be, uh, for different things and things like that. But he's on standby in case he, she needs kind of help and support and things like that with those sort of things. Um, but that's unfortunately that's only focused within my local community, the local area. Um, so we, we can't go any further than that. But what we've also done is we forged links with other uh, migrant organisations so that if we can't deal with things internally, we can then refer them on to those other organisations as well. Um, I mean, speaking personally, I think the migrant community contributes a lot um, to our society, you know, in the UK and stuff like that. Um, well, there's 
a lot of fear around uh, migrants coming um, into the UK and into St. Helens and, um, and you know there's lots of issues about you know whether there's a strain on the system you know are they going to take jobs all of those sort of things and so it's about trying to change attitudes as well so we try to change you know attitudes with people with, I mean that's part of the reason we set up um, the podcast and um, we've also um, in the past uh, with when when uh, we were facing lockdown we set up like a series of um, documents which we call assertiveness or stress management documents or rights documents which we kind of shared so that people were able to kind of use that documentation to help them uh, if you like become for want of a better way of putting it more assertive in their own lives and things like that as well so so we've done that side of things as well and the radio station uh, program that we're doing at the moment that's covering um, broad equality issues which will include things like um, BME or BAME groups as, as we call them over here uh, and so will the podcast as well so and that's about sharing information and make, making people are aware of what you know what their rights are as well so oh really all really excellent really 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 cool and so when you are not doing all of this work how are you uh spending your your free time what are some of your what is a hobby what is a hobby that what is a hobby that you do or have that i would not expect you to do right i wouldn't say you wouldn't expect me to do it but i think you call it soccer over over, over there but i call it football i'm a strong uh, liverpool's um strong liverpool supporter so i follow liverpool quite a lot and um, i do like going out for meals and drinks um, I used to in my younger days, but I'm an older guy now. I used to play football and cricket um, quite a lot, but I tend to just watch it and things like that now. Um, have I got any unusual hobbies? I, I don't think I've got any unusual hobbies, but I've started to pursue the radio side and the podcasting a bit more. And I guess um, a lot of people have said that they think I would make a good like podcaster or, or presenter, radio presenter, but I've never done that as like um, an occupation or a profession or anything like that. But I, I guess that's something that I would like to do. I think you should do that yeah. because I think you do you do a great interview and you you have a you have a great story and you do really important work to help the world not only is that helping England but that really helps society so that's something that's something that I that I greatly 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 appreciate I certainly hope I certainly hope that in the in the years to come I'll be able to get back over to Europe and do some sailing do some of those outdoor activities again um, but these days it's, you know, just me, you know, doing my podcasting, doing my teaching, things like that. Can I be cheeky and ask if, um, cause you know, I, I discussed briefly with you off air, um, that I might um, be interested in hearing from people to talk about, um, disability, minority issues and that. And I know you said you'd be good enough to, uh, take part in one of the podcasts and things like that. But if, if anybody else is interested and you, you either want to put them in touch with me or, or they can talk, contact me. Um, I'd love to hear from them um, in, in any shape or form. So, so, so of course. So let's say, so, so listener, let's say that you want to get in touch with, with John Perry here. How would they do that? Okay, so um, we are online. So I've got a website, which is focusemployment.co.uk. And as a matter of fact, how about they can even click the link in the description. I'll just put the link for the um, website that you sent in, in the description. Uh, that's great. If you, if you can do that. Um, obviously, they can. Email, and they can find me under... Um, social media, either Focus Employment or, or if they look at John Perry, um, I've got a couple of um, Facebook and um, kind of Instagram and Twitter pages and things like that as well. So they, they can find me through all of those various mediums as well. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that's all, that's all really, really, really good. If you, um, if you want to get in touch with me, Aaron Richmond from Aaron's Opinion, this side, Aaron's Opinion 6 at gmail.com would probably be the easiest way to do it. You can also send me a message on the Aaron's Opinion page on Facebook. Uh, you can also follow this show on Twitter, follow us on YouTube. You could comment below on the YouTube side. You could uh, reach out on, on Patreon. Um, there's all sorts, all sorts of ways to get in touch with me. But then again, I think that you guys just like listening. I have a lot of great, great silent listeners all over the world who just love to listen to what I have to say. I don't know. Maybe they're, maybe they're intimidated by me or something. Maybe I'm, <laughs> maybe I'm like, anyway. <laughs> maybe, thank you. Maybe I'm just a scary, maybe I'm just a scary and intimidating host, which, you know, I can, I can kind of understand that to some, to some degree. Today, we've been speaking with John Perry. Um, you basically answered all of my questions. Not only did you answer them, but I love the answers and I love everything you do. Keep up, keep up your great work. Um, and we will certainly uh, be, be in touch. And uh, great, great episode today. Loved, loved having you. John Perry, a great friend to Aaron's opinion, of course. You, you sir, are always, always welcome on Aaron's Thank opinion. Thank you to you and your listeners. Always, always welcome here. And as I like to say, have a good day today and a great day tomorrow. Come stay and play at Live Casino and Hotel. Welcome to one of the biggest casinos in the country with luxurious clean rooms, upscale dining, and the grandest payouts. Now offering stay and play and all in packages, including $50 free slot play, VIP parking, VIP casino access, and more. Book now at livecasino.com or call 443-445-2929 at Arundel Mills. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgambling.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's time for pumpkin flavors and new fall favorites at Dunkin'. And also some tough decisions. Like, do I want a signature pumpkin spice ice latte? A brand new oat milk latte? A new chai latte? Or a pumpkin iced coffee? Oh, and the bakery. Do I want a pumpkin donut or... Uh, there are other people behind you in this drive-thru. Oh, uh, I'll just take it all. Okay. It's all the cozy you crave at Dunkin'. Pumpkin favorites and new fall additions, like new creamy without the dairy oat milk lattes and the signature pumpkin spice ice latte, plus more. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.